You're listening to KJ Recaps. Welcome back to KJ Recaps. We're here recapping Stranger Things, Season 3, Episode 7, The Bite. I am Jess. I am Kim. Kim, so we um, got a piece of feedback from a listener that we've heard from before, Marv Marv. It was very good to hear from you. And he rightfully called us out on a major cultural reference that we have not acknowledged throughout <laughs> recording this, this uh, entire season. So do you want to maybe mention what we've been missing? Yes. Um, so... Uh... The mustache and Hawaiian <laughs> shirt was apparently not enough of a giveaway for us that Hopper is, in fact, full Magnum P.I. But I will say that, I mean, if he's not wearing short shorts before the end of this season, then I'm going to give us a pass. <laughs> yeah, that's, fa- that's fair. It's like I need, well, and I felt I watched a lot of Magnum P.I., not when it was live because I was too little, but all of these shows like aired on repeats on A&E um, during the day when I was kind of growing up in the 90s and that was one of them and I have seen far too much Magnum P.I. to have like <laughs> to have missed out on that. That's pretty humiliating. I mean, to be fair, like this is the episode where they actually call him Magnum. Call his name. And as soon as they called him Magnum, I was like, of course. Like, why didn't I see this before? Um, but I'm sure there are many people out there who picked it up before having to be told. <laughs> like That's us. right. Um, there's also, I have mentioned before that I follow David Harbour, who plays Hopper on Instagram, and someone cut together like a little short version of the intro to Magnum P.I. with like the scenes of it plus th- scenes from Stranger Things of Hopper and it's a gem. So Oh my god, amazing. We have to find that. Retweet yeah. that on our I will share that. That's a good Twitter. idea. <laughs> on our Twitter. Uh, and with Just that note, our social media. <laughs> I don't do anything. <laughs> uh, okay, well we are going to head into this penultimate episode, episode 7 of season Yes. The I bite. have thought on this episode (laughs) what are your do you want to talk overall yeah i don't know why the episode seven seems to be a challenge for stranger things at least in my book i felt like this was a good episode but my by far my least favorite of the season so far and in general my comment is that i'm not going to harp on it the whole time i'm not a downer like i did enjoy the episode for sure but i do think that stranger things is getting a little bit guilty of giving us too much of a good thing. And so it seemed pretty heavy-handed in some areas. The Terminator thing, while fun at first, seemed to be a little overkill in this episode. There was um, a couple of other moments where, you know, we see some repeats, like last week when I talked about how it was a little bit annoying that we saw Joyce kind of pull the exact same sort of rant that resulted in, you know, a sudden change in position of whoever was at the receiving end of her argument. And, you know, here we see Murray give a very similar rant to Hopper and Joyce about how they should just declare their love for each other already and have sex, which is similar to what we saw last season with um, with Jonathan and Nancy. So a few of those things that I really kind of stood out to me. But the biggest thing that was um, a bit of an annoyance for me really was the willful ignorance 
that many of the characters showed that I have complimented Stranger Things so much on how they avoid these kinds of tropes. And in this episode, there were several. So just a few things. I'll just mention it now and get it out of the way and then I won't harp on it later as we're going through the scene on scene. But like, so first, Jess, did you notice any of this? Is this just me or did you feel it a little too? No, I think I, I felt it. I have some other thoughts too, but I'm really, I, I am excited to hear you go through kind of your list because I think it probably impacted you more than me. Okay. So like a few things. The first is that, you know, when Hopper and the group are driving back to Hawkins and Hopper says, oh, Joyce, you're so ridiculous because we're saving the children from the big bad fair. And then when Lucas is getting fireworks to help fight the the uh, mind flayer and Max is like, this is a stupid plan. The only thing that we need to fight the mind flayer is L. And then when they find out that, you know, Dustin had a code red and they say that something about the gate, but he's at the movie theater and they're like, well, he can't be too, uh, you know, in too much danger because he's just hanging out at the movies. Then I'm like, I'm sorry. Meanwhile, we're just all miss seasons one and two. Like, I mean, if anything, especially coming from this group of people, you should be taking their concerns with a level of weight. And like, I felt like this is kind of it's a little bit of like a a lazy a lazy writing style to do that sort of kind of annoying in my opinion trope of sort of this like like how could they be so blasé about something that they they lived through we watched them live through it those were some of the examples where I was like I feel like that's not even true to their characters at this point that it just seemed a little off yeah I think those are all super good points Kim and I think that um it wasn't, I don't know, I, I think for me, what I was kind of struggling with, and maybe these two things intersect is, you know, we talked in the last recap we did about how are they going to get themselves set up for the finale. And I think the finale is shaping up to be more immediate than I thought. I don't know if I'm saying that right. But it's like, it's, it's about to all go down in like the food court of the mall, I think. And right. I think I was thinking in my mind, oh, there'll be a gap, there'll be a regroup. And they just like, slid they didn't have like a stop they just like slid right into it um and so I I did find it a little bit kind of clunky that way because it's almost gonna feel like a I don't know it wasn't didn't feel like its own kind of encapsulated episode and it for me it felt like a lot of setup um agreed for the finale yeah yes and I think and I think that you know to a certain extent a penultimate episode unless it's Game of Thrones which is the penultimate is always like the big the big ending uh or the big battle or whatever but like a penultimate episode um for a big finale has a level of sort of setting you know setting the stage to a certain extent but I agree I don't feel like this was um sort of a great standalone episode because there was a lot of that happening in addition to the things that I had already mentioned right it's like we spent a lot more time than I thought that we needed to with the chases with the Russians and that sort of thing and then yeah and then you know not a whole lot happened although the fight with the mind flayer and the you know the grocery store scene and stuff I thought was really cool but um by far the sort of fair chase stuff was what was least interesting to me and we spent a lot of time on that but it was really just to get everybody in the same place at the same time at the mall for the finale so that all of this can happen but yeah the other very quick thing that I just wanted to mention is that um 
It almost didn't really occur to me until this episode because I was really kind of loving the Hopper and uh, and Joyce relationship stuff that was building until they started bickering again, which thank you, Murray, for saying something, even though I did harp on that being a very similar rant to last season. At least someone said something because the bickering was getting a little old. But ultimately, uh, it almost kind of just dawned on me that the season is almost over and I don't really feel like Joyce in particular has kind of like had an opportunity to do a whole lot. She has been Hopper's wing woman and she has been yelling at people to get them to do stuff. And like she has been along Hopper's journey, but in the past, I mean, to your point last episode, this is a woman who learned how to communicate with her son through Christmas lights. She is the one putting the pieces together. Last season, she was discovering the vine drawings and putting them together all over her house. And she was, I don't know, more involved in a way that was less sidekicky. And and so I, I wasn't really minding it most of the season. And now that it's almost finished and I'm like, oh, wait, wow, there's very little opportunity for, there's little time left for Joyce to really kind of get her you know teeth into it uh so that was something else that struck me a little bit too I think that yeah I I agree it's like it's only eight episodes and because you can watch them back to back you kind of don't notice that accumulating and then if you step away that that's a really valid point I also want to say too that by the time that you are listening to this I think there's pretty much no doubt that we will have actually watched the finale so you cannot spoil us anymore (laughs) and I would be really interested in hearing what others think about that take on um, this second last episode of course we're going to have the context next um, recording of the actual finale itself and how these two might integrate um, either better or not and I would love to hear people so let us know kjrecaps.com slash feedback is the best way to drop us a note and we can incorporate that into our final recording um, but it will be interesting to see how those things are maybe addressed or not addressed as we head into the finale yes so why don't we tackle this scene by scene? As you mentioned, there's a lot of action, which tends not to take as much time for us to recap. So um, <laughs> there will be places where we're like... L gets a punch and then someone right. else punches. <laughs> okay, so a quick one this time after several episodes of longer ones. Uh, so we're at the 4th of July festival. It is in full swing. The mayor is in his glory giving a speech to the crowd. Karen, Ted, and Holly are getting onto the Ferris wheel. Um, Karen has arranged to have them stop at the top so that they can see the fireworks from the best seat in the house. Um, So I really thought that something else was going to happen here. I honestly thought that this was like coinciding with, uh, you know, almost like a a jump back in time when the the people who were flayed um, at the end of last episode all start walking toward the factory. I thought that like Holly had been flayed and she was act- going to be activated while in oh. the Ferris wheel at the top. You know, like I was like, oh shit. Um, Man. And then a second thought uh, was that like the monster was actually going to show up and start attacking people in the fair below and that Karen and the others would come out unscathed because they were up at the top. Um, but it's, you know, as it turns out, it did out, not it happen actually, that way. <laughs> no, it was like, it was much more subtle than the things going through my mind because Holly is just distracted by the movement of the trees below. And obviously we know that there is something very big moving through the forest. And then we hear a screeching howl. And I just thought that was like credits. so authentic as a parent too, where it's like, mom, the trees are moving. And she's like, why are you looking at the trees? Look at the fireworks. Like, come on, kid. You know, I know. just, and it's what she's seeing is 
actually deeply concerning. <laughs> Everybody should. Yes, exactly. Can I say just as a quick side note uh, that um, I am now really coming to terms with my with my prediction about Karen throwing herself into the mix of danger in order to save someone is very likely not happening. Maybe season four. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I don't know where the kids are doing stuff. It's the 80s. What? Bye. Like, Bye. okay. Yes. Yeah. Karen, I think that you are a very good mom, but you are not um, maybe like superhero levels like bob at the moment so <laughs> that's right exactly i also want to uh give a shout out to mayor klein's makeup job that he has going on there's oh, yeah, a scene later good. on yeah you see him closer up and it's like much more evident that he has just like three inches of concealer under his <laughs> eyes to keep his black eyes under control but yeah uh yeah i bet it, he just like he just you know, had it. He didn't have to borrow his wife's or oh, anything. I, I mean, well, no he's change. a politician. He's on TV. He must exactly. Uh, he probably gets beat up a lot too, based on what's happened. In <laughs> because this he's a dick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, so after the credits, we're back at Hopper's cabin. Ella's filling in the rest of the group on what happened, basically at the end of last episode um, about what Billy and the Mind Player said to her, and it's clear that. What the army that the mind player is building is intended to kill L. Nancy hears a screeching noise outside. The others think it's just the fireworks nearby, but she knows better. Um, she pieces together that the mind player must know where they are since that scene that we saw Billy visit Ellen was in the actual cabin. Um, and that's when Will, you know, can feel the mind flare and they go outside to check it out. So... You can see the mind flayer. I do not feel like it's that far away considering how much time they then take to prepare. Like, it's had, right there. Like, I agree. I was like, I wasn't even going to harp on that one. Yeah. But I'm glad that you brought it up because I was like, I'm sorry. That was like, that is like three mind flayer steps and it's That's at the cabin. Right. <laughs> like, it, it has very long That's legs, exactly you guys. It. That's so uh, true. But whatever, and, you know. Um, so back in the Russian facility, Dustin and Erica are racing back to the elevator in the electric car, and in the back are a still drugged Steve and Robin. Uh, they are very much acting like they're hammered. Um, so they successfully get the elevator working. They get back up to the surface. Steve rides the elevator as if he's surfing, which I cannot say I have never done before. <laughs> um, <laughs> Unfortunately, though, there are Russians waiting for them at the uh, at the surface and the Russians took Steve's keys. So they have nowhere to go except back into the mall where they make their escape. And I just think if you've ever had to babysit drunk slash high people, this resonates with you to such a great extent. You're just like, stop being (laughs) such idiots. I know, especially because like in this situation, it is literally life or death. (laughs) I'm like, you need to, you you need to get your shit together. I don't care if you're drugged. Like, hold it together. This is serious. That they just can't. I, I really love that. <laughs> like, this is like, you need to get your shit together because we need to get a cab home right now. <laughs> Where's yeah. your wallet? This is me to every drunk person I've ever At least, with. exactly, right? Uh, <laughs> that's so true. Where is everything? And at least Steve remembers that he gave them Dustin's entire name. So that... <laughs> yes, that is good. <laughs> that they don't just go to Dustin's house. <laughs> right. Uh, so meanwhile, Nancy and the others back at the cabin are preparing for this battle that we've just discussed. They have ample time for preparing. Nancy has a shotgun. 
just uh, yeah which is awesome uh jonathan has an axe they're boarding up the house the monster ultimately arrives and like tentacles the cabin so there's a tentacle that bursts through the side uh, none of the you know weaponry is really doing much of anything so when l step steps in she has much more success ripping things apart uh more and more tentacles are coming in the place l manages to destroy them but i mean she's just clearly outnumbered again a yes. fatal flaw in the we have l plan Right. Okay, Max. Yeah, like maybe yeah. some backup would be a good idea. Which comes after this. So that doesn't even like you just saw this go terribly wrong. Like she's super uh, injured and Lucas yeah. is coming up with any plan and you're like, that's dumb. We have a superhero. Yeah. Whatever. Anyway, yeah. I said I wasn't going to harp on this. Stuff, but <laughs> <laughs> moving on. Moving on. Just that one little. Yeah. yeah. Um, ultimately, one attaches to Elle's leg because she is just completely outnumbered uh nancy is such a badass with this shotgun she's continuing to shoot at it there lucas is hacking at it with an axe the others are trying to like pull l finally lucas does chop off the tentacle arm um but she's clearly wounded uh it's you know attached to her leg until they get rid of it um and she seems to be able to rip the head of the monster in two which at least like slows it down it's clearly not remotely destroyed yeah, but not dead. needs to take time to repair itself yeah while they take off uh so back in the hallways of the mall the russians are still after dustin and the others and uh dustin takes them through the back door of the movie theater and then tries to blend in with a bunch of moviegoers who are seeing back to the future i love that yeah that uh, i loved it um i <laughs> i actually like um I own the Back to the Future box set on DVD that yes. I still, you know, I still have that I like too, pulled yeah. out of the woodwork, and I was like, "Well, I'm gonna watch this tomorrow." Like, <laughs> it was, it was just, you know, an immediate need to watch the entire trilogy after seeing just a snippet of it here. I mean, it's so good, and this spontaneous applause that everyone bursts into. I'm like, I hope that's how people reacted when they first saw it because it really was that good. Yes. The only movie in my lifetime where people like burst out into a plot. It was a standing ovation after I saw Titanic. <laughs> 1997's Titanic star. Was it really a standing yes. ovation? A that standing is standing ovation. And everyone was like, I never saw it coming with the necklace. The necklace. I didn't know she had it the whole time. <laughs> Everyone oh was God. full weeping. I mean, I laugh, but I had the poster and it, oh, it was epic. It hung over my bed for yeah many it's, many years. It's just hard to picture anybody standing and applauding anything, you know, in a movie theater. Yeah. <laughs> okay, like seriously. Okay, I swear. Last quick aside, but when Titanic first came out, it was like it was in 1997, right? So we had yeah. just gotten like our first color printer. And I was like, oh, my God, I can print all the pictures of Leonardo DiCaprio that I want. It's like I have a Teen Bop magazine, but I can pick the pictures. And oh I, God. like, literally in one afternoon, I, like, <laughs> I emptied that color jet printer. And my dad was like, this was, like, $80. <laughs> it was so expensive was so for color expensive. ink. I know. I was like, I don't know. I don't know what happened as I like <laughs> slowly closed my folder full of Leonardo DiCaprio pictures. And it printed so shitty too. Like I'm sure there were lines terrible. through all of it. There was like pink blotches everywhere. Like not good oh quality. God. Um, Yes. Anyway, the point is Back to the Future is a great movie. 
Um, so they're in the theater. They're trying to blend in. Erica and Dustin disagree on the merits of this plan. Uh, there is uh, some back and forth about whether or not. Uh, I love that too. This this is a good plan based on how it worked for Lee Harvey Oswald. Also about whether or not he is in fact the shooter of JFK. Um, th- that is two nerds having a real you know a real great. discussion because they know shit about shit. Um, and then Dustin tells Erica to watch Steve and Robin while he goes to find them a ride. She does not do a very good job at that. Like no, I mean it best. She efforts, gets sucked into but... Back to the Future though. I mean I can't blame her. That's just how good. Yeah, it is. I, I mean, it's a good movie. She was watching. <laughs> uh, so Hopper and the others are driving back to Hawkins in the back seat. Alexi is walking Murray through diagrams of the Russian facility and where the key is located. It is a good thing, ultimately, that Murray knows this information in advance because, sadly, Alexi, Alexi will be no more die. by the end of this episode. He explains that to turn it off, there's a two-man rule with two keys, just like a nuclear launch. To retrieve those keys, you need to open a vault, um, and you have to enter Planck's constant, which is apparently a very famous number. That Hey, Jess, do you think that it would be good to have a math whiz in the gang <laughs> if you need to enter a very famous number in order to get two keys to turn off a laser and save the world? I think that's Erica. excellent foreshadowing. Exactly. I'm yeah. so happy you're here. <laughs> that's fantastic. I feel like, you know, Erica and Lucas are going to have a real realization of each other's skill sets before the end of this season. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like, I feel like it's going to be like a begrudging respect between the two of them. Yeah. Yeah. But just her complete disbelief. Well, they're in each other's disbelief that each other could even remotely be involved in any of this, you know, surely by the end at least has to be kind of like Nancy and Mike, you know, it's not that they now spend all their time together, but I feel like where they were in season one and where they are now, there is an understanding of what each other has been through and the knowledge each other has rather than just being like, I'm not going to, you know, like yes. interact with You're you like in any way, shape, or form. Dumb younger brother or whatever. Yeah. Now it's like respect. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Joyce and Hopper start arguing. Can we discuss this earlier? When Murray finally gets tired of all the bickering, he tells them to just have sex already, which is this rant. Um, the best is the Alexi Murray bonding, honestly. I know. Like I, I <laughs> that just part really was like great. It. Yeah, I am sad for Alexi. Uh, but Joyce and Hopper do not think that any of this is very funny. And also, the Russian word for sex is sex. Well, so if any of our listeners out there happen to speak Russian, unlikely, but if they do, I would love to know how good Murray's Russian is. It sounds excellent, but like any foreign language that you do not speak, it always sounds impressive. Yes, I was 100% <laughs> thinking that, that I was like, yeah. does this actor, like does he even know what he's saying right or is he just phonetically you know spelling out what the the lines are supposed to are supposed to sound like you know um but it it sounds fluent it sounds legit it does i sorry again one more aside but it has like an 80s cultural reference but for the princess bride which we've mentioned before obviously starring carrie was uh andre the giant who had a thick French accent in addition to like obviously an incredibly deep voice was really struggling with his English um lines that he had to say and so Rob Ryan the director actually recorded all of them on an audio tape and he listened to them for weeks and weeks and just basically learned his lines like phonetically um yeah so not so much that he like so I wonder when you have to speak like another language you don't speak but I would be interested this is a lot of Russian yes it is yeah to repeat so we'll have to look that up after yeah no more rhyming now I mean it 
Anybody want to be that? I'm going to have to go watch that one, too. <laughs> and just making yeah. a list as we go yeah. through. Um, okay, so Nancy drives like a bat out of hell and like Tokyo drifts into <laughs> a local grocery store. Um, so the gang smashes through the window and they get supplies to treat Elle's wound. It looks fucking terrible. Yeah. I, to your point about people not catching on to things, like you just watch people created by guts. Maybe the wound, you know. I know, is like... Not a normal wound. Well, that's it. Like, it's more clearly more than infected. Uh, like, is this going to be an issue? And yet it seems like, you know, Nancy's solution is peroxide and a Band-Aid is going to be just like everything that we need here. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, I get on. I don't know what they could have done. Um, True. Because how do you treat? I've clearly watched too much Walking Dead. I'm like, cut her leg off. Yes. <laughs> I mean, like, Jonathan, you have an axe, right? <laughs> Uh, oh wait that doesn't um, translate so oh, luckily max does have some experience treating injuries she's a skateboarder after all so she gives mm-hmm. people directions on the thing that things that she needs so while nancy and jonathan are off looking for their supplies um they agree that the monster that they just fought looks just like the one at the hospital but bigger so they realize it's likely made up of many people all of the flayed people, most likely. So killing the monster would kill them all too and possibly end it all. I really thought that there was a chance that they were going to say, so like, you know, killing the monster could result in all of our friends and family then <laughs> extracting from the, from the body and being whole again. You know, like when, yeah. you, when you, we were talking before about like when they're goo, they're dead, right? I well, was like, recovery, please don't tell exactly. me that they're going to like try to save them all because they're yeah. fucking dead. Ugh. So at the same point, Lucas and Will are looking for a bowl, which these guys are dumbasses. I don't know if this is just, anyway. The bowl like 13 year old. 13-year-old use of bowl is only for cereal. I'm like, like, because never had soup or ice cream? Like, I just... (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Bowl doesn't only mean salad, you guys. There's other (laughs) delicious things that you can have in a bowl. Um, Instead, they find all the fireworks. Kim, you've mentioned this before. And Lucas makes the connection that fireworks equal gunpowder. They could use them to fight the Mind Flayer. And Max is just, I don't know, there to be intentionally dense so that... Lucas looks smarter? I don't really know. Yeah, I don't know. I am happy that, like, Lucas has something to do, though, in the finale. For the last couple of episodes, he has been a little bit in the background, whereas in the first episode or two, he was, like, serving great looks. He was comedic relief. He was more involved. And then it was several episodes where I feel like he was just kind of there and not getting an opportunity to, you know do as much or say as much as you know i would like so it's nice to see him uh have have this plan that he's going to execute and we also know like from season one like lucas also has great a great skill set you know he for sure yeah, yeah he is the one who sort of had some knowledge and familiarity with uh like military tactics and i don't know so like it's cool. He, he is familiar with these fireworks and recognizes that they could be a real um, benefit to their fight with the Mind Flayer. So he's not swayed by Max, which I'm happy to hear, happy to see. And he brings like a lot of fireworks with them when they go. So that is good. 
Um, so in another part of the store, Mike and Elle are having a heart to tar- heart to heart. Mike is telling her that he's having a hard time being broken up. He tells her it really does make you crazy. And then like dances around the L word really, really awkwardly. It's just like so many awkwards. Yeah, <laughs> I know. And Eleven's complete lack of like popular turns of phrase just makes it impossible for him to not say love. Um, but it's cute and, you know, and kind of silly and, uh, you know, it's nice to see them having a, having a nice moment. Um, but it is interrupted by Dustin, who's calling in a code red on the walkie talkie. And then, okay, listeners, please, please help me with this moment. So the moment that Mike picks up the walkie talkie and Dustin is on the other end and the Back to the Future music is playing while he's on the on the walkie-talkie. It is a clear homage to Back to the Future. And I cannot get in my head, like, what scene is it that they're sort of spoofing in this moment? So it's like when when uh, Mike is like, Dustin? Right. Mike? Dustin? Mike! And then they, like, you know, go back and forth trying to relay, but they can't hear each other. And then the radio goes dead before, you know, uh, Dustin is able to kind of get his whole message relayed. I think that maybe it's kind of the moment... I don't know. It felt so familiar to me from Back to the Future. So I'm thinking maybe it's the moment where like Marty is trying to relate to Doc about like, I've got to tell you about the future. Do you know what I mean? Right. And then the DeLorean dies. As soon as he gets back to the future, the DeLorean dies. So he, you know, he can't get there in time. But I might be stretching it. I feel I feel like there's a scene that I'm missing. So if anybody can think of what scene they were directly kind of spoofing there. Let me know. Or maybe I'm out to lunch. Um, But the key takeaway (laughs) here is that Dustin is able to get through the word gate to Mike. He doesn't hear much, but he does hear that. And then the battery dies. And then Dustin uh, races back to Erica to see if she has eight batteries. (laughs) She does not. She does have a lot of gear. Yes, you know, I mean, true. he probably has eight batteries in those flashlights but, that have been strapped to her head. Oh, my God. Why tired. didn't they think of that? <laughs> they were probably not the right size. That's true. That's it's, They're never the right battery. This is the whole thing about batteries. That's if you right. need double A's, they're triple A's. If you need C's, they're D's. This yeah. is my favorite when, like, Dustin was like, I always travel with batteries. And she like, yeah. <laughs> then what's the problem? I need eight. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so... Uh, without the walkie-talkie, Dustin says they're going to have to go to plan B, but we don't know what that is yet because before he can tell Erica, they realize Robin and Steve are gone. Ugh, you had one job, Erica. This was another like super 80s throwback just in the way that it was shot where it's like a close-up of Dustin and Erica's faces and then it's a pan going outwards from them so further and further away as it tracks all of the seats and then lands on the empty seats far away from them i don't know if you guys can sort of visualize the scene that i but it felt very nostalgic just in the way it was shot the camera does like a double take yeah (laughs) um i'm also pretty sure in horror movies too is used in every halloween movie ever like it's always like mike myers is like creepily standing somewhere and the camera pans by and then like comes back and there he is and you're like ah like ah (laughs) that's me in every halloween movie uh so outside the theater um 
they're <laughs> Robin and Steve are drinking copious amounts of water and talking about the amazing incestuous plotline of Back to the Future that no one really acknowledges. Although I heard that's why Disney didn't produce it. Is that an urban myth or um? I think they tried to sell it to Disney first, and Disney's like, I'm sorry, he goes back in time and almost sleeps with his mom? <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> I think Maybe that's not true. so much our brand. <laughs> um, so they're drinking all this water. They are mesmerized by the lights above them. They then give, which gives them the spins, uh, and they run for the toilet. <laughs> Uh, again, like every drunk I have taken care of while, while out. You can completely commiserate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Hopper and the others have arrived at the festival. Marie and Alexi are told to stay in the car. He and Stay Joyce, in the car! Know, stay in the fucking like, car. Um, yeah. Just stay in the car! Uh, anyway, Hopper and Joyce go to look for the kids. Uh, things are weird. Things are a little tense between Hopper and Joyce. I mean, I think that Marie's rant hit home a little bit. Yeah. We did not acknowledge that Marie's rant was like quite visceral in places. Like it wasn't just like, hey, you guys should have sex. Like he's actually like, you have definitely thought about what it would be like for, to see like him naked and have sex. You know what I mean? Yes. Like it was, a, yeah. it, was it more was, vivid than just, yeah, you know. It was like, it was like the talk that he had with Jonathan and Nancy was, you know, all sunshine and daisies compared to this right because <laughs> this gave it to them straight <laughs> kind of horrifying and yeah. i mean like i mean obviously true we are all know it we're all thinking it um mm-hmm. so yes just get it on already joyce and hopper i am sure they will is that weird to say <laughs> <laughs> i love it i'm in okay yeah. Um, so they're walking through the fairgrounds and the mayor sees them and then he runs to his car phone to call the Russians. Not just the, like, the gray Zach Morris cell phone, but, like, the gray Zach Morris cell phone in a car. Yeah, exactly. Um, and also, this is what you get when you beat up people. Then they turn on you and call the Russians when they see you. Not that Mayor Klein was a good guy who turned bad, but... I know. Certainly didn't help. Mayor Klein, (laughs) he made, like, the Russian... The Terminator was like, you have one day. And Klein did nothing. Not one thing that at least that we saw. And then he just showed up. And then it just, like, fell in his lab. And he's like, I did it. You're welcome. He's here. I'm a... I'm a hero. (laughs) Klein, You're you're the worst, even to your bad guy friends. Uh... So back at the grocery store, Ella's using her powers to find Dustin. There's the callback to her egos because she's using, like, the freezers as her background noise. Uh, there is an entire commercial for New Coke. I looked this uh, up. I looked it this is. up. It is. It's all the words for the New Coke. Yeah. Yes. It, um, like, okay. So I did not know this at the time earlier when I made that comment. I was like, okay, Coke is a clear sponsor of this episode because the product placement is bonkers and so after like this was literally verbatim a full commercial that i looked it up and that uh apparently so there's a whole history of new coke that some of you might know and i did not um but oh you were not aware of new coke no i was not aware that in 1985 Coke changed their formula in order to have a taste that was sweeter because they were losing market share to Pepsi that had a sweeter taste. And then 
it did not go well. It actually bombed. And so after just a few weeks, they changed the formula back and called it classic Coca-Cola. And so people at the time thought it might have been, or people continue to think that it might have been a marketing ploy all along to boost sales for the classic formula that they had always intended to go back to. And so I didn't know any of that. And I also didn't know that they are releasing... They are re-releasing for a limited time new Coke coinciding with the release of Stranger Things. So that all of that to anyone who, you know, knew this going in, my like, you know, comments about there being a lot of Coke products in the, in the season, they were probably like, yeah, obviously, of course, because it's a whole thing. But I did not know. Yeah, that. I didn't know they they had sponsored it. But new Coke is definitely a very famous marketing story because uh it's either a disaster or a huge success, depending on the different ways you look at it. I am not in the camp that it was a fully planned out, uh, you know, concept. I think it was an attempt that failed horribly. But, like, <laughs> I just love that he repeats all of the commercial and everybody else is just like, no, it's, it's right. awful. But so know? did you know they are re-releasing new Coke? It should be out, like, right no, now. No, I didn't. Um because uh, because it was coinciding with the release of the season. So like I'm not saying that it's like a that it's a bad marketing ploy, but it did pull me out. It pulled me out. I, I think that it is yeah. it's smart the way that they did it because this is a real thing that happened in 1985 and they are touching on the real sort of culture of the day. So so knowing that now, I actually have more of an appreciation for it. But at the time when I was watching this episode, because I didn't know the story behind it, I was like, wow, they're not even being yeah. subtle. This is a right. ridiculous amount <laughs> of coke talk in the middle of what is supposed to be a pretty intense like you know series of events yeah i did like it from the sense of like i was like it would have been one of the most highly discussed things um because it was such a big deal um but it definitely yeah if you line it up with all of the other like external factors it definitely um can pull you out. I can totally see that. I do also love the look that Elle gives them as they're having this conversation. <laughs> right. To say, like, I am supposed to be saving the world. Could you guys shut the fuck up? Right. Just like, um, why are you talking about this right now? And correct. I share that feeling, Elle. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm excited to try uh, new Coke. So that's... There you go. Oh, oh my God. Their marketing worked. Our corner of Canada. Uh, so Ella has found Dustin because she's obviously gone into the black space to look for them. She knows that he's at the movie theater, uh, when which is when they wonder if they heard him wrong about the gate because it doesn't sound like he's in much danger. Can you reference this earlier? Um, the gate being open would explain why the mind flayer is alive. So all the connections we've kind of been making over the past few episodes are coming together here too. Um, as they leave to go find him, they've got a giant car full of fireworks. We see the blood on the floor from Elle's injury and it's like moving slash bubbling. Yes. This is not a normal bite. No, it is not. No, it's bad news. It's bad, bad news. Um, So uh, I have predictions. Ultimately, I I did say that this was a direction that I thought would be fun for them to go in uh, last episode, which is that I thought maybe an element of the battle with the mind flare would be internal with L. And I think that this is essentially the way that it's going to happen. I think that she's yeah. going to be out of commission for the battling of the physical monster that they're battling. And she is uh, going to be battling uh, her own 
you know, fight with the Mind Flayer internally uh, with, you know, the Mind Flayer infiltrating her mind by physically infiltrating your, her body. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Which means, like, good thing you got a lot of fireworks because hell's <laughs> down for the count. Yeah, true. Um, I mean, at least they can explode. Well, so, because this is the thing we learned in the last se- last season that, um, you know, this whole idea that the Mind Flayer can float places I, I mean i really do see so many harry potter analogies here you know it's like where is it going to land if you if you kill the disembodied version of it that it's manifested itself then there's maybe still a piece attached to l and so what has to happen to remove it from l yes yeah that makes sense probably nothing good nothing good um Okay, so Robin and Steve are on the floor of the bathroom. They have just puked out all of their drugs, and they're testing to see whether or not it's still in their system by asking each other sort of intimate questions. Um, So Robin asks Steve if he's ever been in love, and he says that he has. He was in love with Nancy in senior year, but he's not in love with her anymore because he likes someone else, a girl who is funny and smart and can crack top-secret Russian codes. So... (laughs) Robin doesn't say anything at first and then Steve presses her on whether or not she returns his feelings and she tells him that she does really like him but that when she talked about being obsessed with him it wasn't because she wanted to be with Steve. She was obsessed with him when they were in school because she wanted to be with the girl who was obsessed with Steve, Tammy Thompson. So it takes Steve a minute to realize that Robin is telling him that she's gay and then um, once he does realize, he continues to, you know, sort of joke with her the way that he always has, which is a way of him showing her that he, like, continues to accept and support her as his friend. Uh, so this was a great moment. What what were your thoughts on it, Jess? I really love the outcome. Like, I love that we, um, like have Robin as a gay character. I love Steve's acceptance. I thought that that was amazing and how he just, like, totally lets it roll off of his back and and has no kind of like judgment I didn't love the kind of like gotcha-ness of it I don't think she would have worded it as like obsessed with him I don't know I just I was like I really felt kind of set up for this to like shock me and I was like do we really need another moment where a character coming out is just so shocking like we never would have seen it coming yeah I de- I get it. I mean, yeah. like, we, I think that the show definitely set it up in such a way that we as the viewers were meant to be rooting for them as a couple. And I think that they, yeah. you know, they uh, would make a great couple. And I'm glad that they are going to continue to be great friends. But I completely understand what you're saying here. Yeah. Uh, so they're ultimately interrupted by D- Dustin and Erica, who have been obviously searching for them throughout this entire heart-to-heart moment. Um, we get a quick scene of Billy tracking Ellen the gang. He has arrived at that store. He finds the blood on the floor um, and his pupils dilate. So he's tracking them because, like, what... So if, like, all of the flayed... If the Mind Flayer knows everything that the flayed know... And the Mind Flayer is, like, inside of L. Ultimately, Billy is tracking L because it's inside her? Yeah, I agree. And I think the pupils dilating is, in my mind, like, the Mind Flayer can therefore send different, well, (laughs) the Mind Flayer has now absorbed everybody except for Billy. So I guess it doesn't have a ton of, like, resources out there as an army. But it can split up from Billy and search for them. And then I assume the pupils dilating is, like, signal being sent back. You know what I mean? Or, like... (laughs) 
the mind flayer coming in. Like if you just send Billy to a variety of places looking for her, then he's kind of like activating when he's found her. Yeah. That makes sense. Or clues at least. Yeah. Yeah. I'm here for that. Um, so Lexi and Murray are talking about their plan of how they're going to turn off the key again. A good discussion since it's going to be good that Murray knows how to do this. Um, Alexi suggests that they blow it up um, because if they just turn it off, it can always just be turned back on again. And he shares a plan to destroy the key with Murray and tells him not to be around when that destruction happens. Because it Um, turns people to dust, which we saw in uh, episode one, which I definitely think is a hint of the way in which they might get, they might destroy the mind flare monster. Oh, interesting. So they could use the same thing. Mm-hmm. So they blow up the key and destroy the uh, Mind Flayer monster at the same time. Maybe, you know, with fireworks. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so after all of this, Alexi just wants to be a normal American citizen and join in the fun. And this is when Murray suggests that they get a taste of that right now by going to the fair. So Murray brings them into the fairgrounds. Alexi goes off to find a game and Murray goes to get a corn dog. This is a bad idea, Murray. As someone who literally lives in like a shipping container and opens your door with a shotgun, why wouldn't you stay in the car? It's a great point. I mean, again, it's just like this guy has been hyper paranoid. He now needs to move because Hopper used his phone for longer than 15 seconds to call somebody and he's just out in a public space with a highly yeah yeah, (laughs) i know moving on we're we're not dwelling we're not dwelling yeah um meanwhile joyce and hopper have spotted karen getting on the gravitron again with the gravitron i'm happy to see that one again though um so they (laughs) they purchased a gravitron they better be using that's right this can't be for one scene only we gotta get our money's worth So they jump on to talk to Karen. She has no idea where the kids are. Again, it's the 80s. Kids just do what they want. I mean, they're outside. They play. They have no cell phones. They're doing stuff. Um, Yeah. The ride operator calls Hopper Magnum and then refuses to delay the start of the ride. So Hopper and Joyce become sort of unintentional passengers. And as it spins, they hold hands. Because Murray was right and they're in love. That's right. At least they don't try to do it on the Gravitron. That would be hella awkward. Yes, it would. I mean, I guess it would have to be upright. Like, they would be standing. They couldn't lie down. It would... Oh, my God. Like, really, yeah. Everything would be... Yeah. Yeah. I imagine that a person naked on the Gravitron is just not a pleasant sight like at all <laughs> like so. that reminds me of the golden girls episode when blanche is like when blanche she only like looks herself in a mirror when she's lying down so that like everything just kind of hangs backwards and she looks younger <laughs> it's like you've never looked so young blanche get on a gravitron you'll look 18 again there you go um so back to the future in the theater has ended to riotous applause as discussed uh dustin's plan b to just blend into the crowd does not uh really come to fruition because yeah unfortunately the russians are like checking people's security at the door this is also when steve tells dustin that they can't go to his house because the russians know his full name (laughs) um so they ultimately have to escape back into the mall because they've been spotted. Uh, Alexi wins a stuffed animal and is excited, making excitedly making his way back to Murray to show it off. But before he reaches him, the Terminator slow walks out of the crowd and shoots Alexi with a silenced gun and then calls him a traitor as he passes by. 
Um, is Alexi our Bob? I still think we're in for a bigger death than this. I mean, I I don't want sad. anyone to die, but I hope there. I mean, like, I hope there is a more emotionally impactful death if we do have someone because this. I mean, this is no Bob. This no. is no Bob or yeah. Barb. No, no. Um, although I, he was really growing on me. I really liked his relationship with Murray, as you mentioned in particular, like they were very cute. Um, so Murray goes to find help and he sees Hopper and Joyce and warns them about the Russians immediately. Of course, they spot the Terminator slow walking towards them. Uh, and then everywhere that they turn, there's Russians everywhere. So they split up. So Joyce finds Murray and then they go back to Alexi and find him dead. And then they run to get the car on the way by Joyce beats up the mayor and then, and then I love that just like in the background, it's just like someone from the ground, the crowd is like, you go lady. Or <laughs> <laughs> after Joyce like kicks him in the balls, he was like, yeah, lady, go. <laughs> um, Everybody hates the mayor. I know. <laughs> and then meanwhile, Hopper is taking on the Russians inside the fun house. So there's a lot of like uh, p- punching bag fighting and Mirrors. mirror hall yeah. shooting and then he shoots the terminator there like eight times but bullets don't stop machines also he has a bulletproof vest on <laughs> um which he then like am i crazy did he like get shot eight times and then take the bulletproof vest off because why would you do that clearly yeah. you need it leave it on it's not a one-time use like <laughs> And Hopper has police firearms training. Like, I don't know. You don't shoot anywhere, but, like, the torso. Anyway. Well, we're not yeah. twirling. We're yeah, not We're not going to do it. Anyway, <laughs> Hopper makes a narrow, musca- a narrow escape, and they speed away in the car. Uh, but he did manage to pick up one of the Russians' radios, and so they pick up a message saying that the Russians are after children at the mall. So I have no doubt that's where they're headed next. Yes. Um... Which back at the mall, the Russians have found where the kids are hiding. Uh, they make them with their way towards them very slowly. Kim has underlined so very in our notes. Slowly. Yeah. They are walking as, a, like, they're walking slower than the damn Terminator. <laughs> uh, just in uh, time to get themselves nicely aligned so that when Elle and the others arrive, she can hit them with the car that she throws at them. They seem to all be dead uh but this reunites our gang which is very exciting um yeah so lucas is surprised to see erica robin gets a bunch of introductions she doesn't understand what's happened with the car throwing fair enough um and while everyone is you know trying to catch up l collapses and her leg is bothering her and when they remove the bandage then you can see that something is moving it was gross under her skin it is gross yeah yeah Okay, so that is the end of this episode. We are heading to the finale. We have not watched it yet. Kim, do you have additional thoughts or theories that we didn't get to uh, in the recording of this episode? Um, Yes, I do. Some of them I have mentioned already. Some of them I don't think I have. So I'm just going to do a quick summary. Here are my thoughts on the finale. Um, Elle is going to be unable to fight the monster and instead going to be fighting this internal battle with the Mind Flayer. Lucas is going to save the day by at least holding off the Mind Flayer with his fireworks until ultimately the key slash laser is able to, um, to destroy it. Um, I think that the gate is going to be opened. They're going to get to the gate, uh, at a point when it is 
opened, but only just long enough so that the mind flare that is expelled from L, which I think she will do using her powers by winning the fight internally, um, and whatever remnants there are of this monster or whatever, they go back into the upside down and then they close the gate for good. I think that Erica is going to admit that she's a nerd and she's going to be the one <laughs> to uh, to open the vault with Plank's constant. Um, and then, so I'm, I'm thinking that that is like going to be most of like sort of the finale battle. And then I think that there's going to be a time jump. And in this time jump, I think Susie is going to visit and we're going to see her and that she really does exist. I would not be at all surprised if the real Phoebe Katz is actually like playing her mother or something. I think in this time jump, we will see, uh, at least it will be implied that Joyce and Hopper are a couple. I think that Billy is going to be a sort of a changed man with a new relationship with Max in particular. I think Nancy will write her story for the big paper. And I think that we will see the boys successfully balancing their friendships and their girlfriends by seeing them watching, watching them, sorry, by seeing them playing a game of D&D. That is, that, that is my predictions. Wow, you heard them all here. Okay, what are you? I just I don't have as many like formed ones. Obviously, I I am not as convinced it's going to wrap up that neatly. Um, That was a very neat. That was a tidy wrap up that I just gave you right there. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's wishful thinking. You're right. Um, and I I am worried about Elle because I just like again I'm very like Harry Potter here, but like a neither can live while the other survives kind of like vibe from this and um. I don't know if she's necessarily gone, but I'm wondering if we're going to get more of a cliffhanger style like finale, considering we've kind of gotten. Yes, they haven't been like wrap ups, like obviously last season, you know, we still saw that the mind flayer was there, but it's just like, how are they going to propel forward into the next season if there isn't some kind of question mark? Um, I know, but how many times can they do the whole thing with the gate and the mind flare and how many, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm enjoying it immensely. And I think that they have done a great job so far of changing things up from season to season um, and keeping it fresh. But like, she closed the gate last season, but then this one little bit from Will was left behind. So then if we get rid of that little bit, then like, you know, what else? I wonder if, even though it's not my favorite, but if if maybe we're going to go back to like Callie and Brenner type stuff. And I do think even though it was almost like a silly throwaway that I said in an earlier episode, I do think that, that Elle is going to be impacted by this internal battle in some way. Maybe her powers are, are um, somehow reduced. Yeah. Removed. uh, Or or removed. And so that maybe it's a change in the dynamics of this group where they can no longer sort of rely on L to just kind of take care of their battles for them, but there are still battles to fight in some way. And so maybe it's a little bit, uh, I don't know. I don't know if it would be stranger things without L having her telekinetic abilities, but like maybe she's wounded and not fully able to, uh, perform the same feats of superhuman strength as she did. And so maybe Brenner and lab people come back or Callie shows up looking for help because people are after her and they need to help Callie, but Elle is injured from this fight and doesn't have power. So they need to do it in a different way. And I don't know, like I'm just really just shooting from the hip but right now. I'm just throwing <laughs> anything. Yeah. Remember, yeah. it's yeah. like throw bullshit on a wall and something might stick. Yeah. No, you, Kim, are much better at the predictions than I am. So I feel like those are my only 
kind of thoughts. I just, I don't know. With one episode left, it's hard to imagine how. I know. I, I really don't know. So, I for yeah. me at least the the only thing I do have a real. Um, I don't love a full blown cliffhanger. If it ends like season two did, where there is this element of like we came to a, right. a, a nice conclusion of the story we were we were being shown, but that obviously there was a very heavy implication that there was more to come by showing us that the Mind Flayer was still alive and well, that I am okay with. But to like, I don't know, if you're in the middle of the battle and then like L is knocked unconscious and then it's like end of season, like I would have an issue with that. So I think they're going to wrap right. it up to a large extent in terms of what this story is and but you're right I think there's going to be elements that they aren't necessarily going to wrap up in a tidy bow because there still has to be room for the next story that you're telling so I think your point is a good one okay well we will be back uh tomorrow recording that one in the meantime thank you so much Kim this has been really great do let us know what you think at kjrecaps.com slash feedback uh leave us a rating or review on your podcast app of choice if you can um and in the until the next one we will go and watch episode eight right now so you (laughs) so we can see how right or wrong our predictions actually are i'm excited uh okay can't wait to talk to you about it tomorrow and uh thanks for listening guys bye bye